Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit mbcmetairie.org. Now, here's this week's message. Mr. Riggs, I'm going to ask for you to come on up this morning as, as we get ready to have our time together. We're going to take a little bit of a, of a break from our time in the book of Acts. However, um, as we've been talking about a kingdom investment, you know, we've got our Bible verse that we have been uh, looking at uh, together for the course of this year. Let me give that to you. And we'll bring up this Bible verse right up here on the screen. And it says Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. And as you know, we've been going with the theme of kingdom investment it says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. And that's one of the things that we feel very drawn to, Mr. Riggs, is that this is a kingdom investment. We are investing in the kingdom as we uh, are dedicating this building. So many have given, so many have been a, a part of this. You know, I had a couple things that I want. I don't bite. <laughs> you could come on over. I, uh, we had a couple of things as we were moving, uh, as we were moving towards um, today. I was thinking in my heart about Second Chronicles. Um, Second Chronicles chapter 7. M- many of you know Second Chronicles uh, 7.14. You know, if my people call by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, and I, I will hear from heaven, I'll heal, heal their land. That verse comes in the course of the dedication of the temple back when Solomon built the first temple. They had the tabernacle and everything that was going on. And this morning, obviously, this is not a temple that we have built in the back. We know that we are the temple. You are the temple. Um, The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit does not live in a building. But I thought it would be important for us to read that passage. So if you have your Bible this morning, if you've got your phone or something, I just ask for you to pull it out. I'm going to be reading from the Christian uh, Standard Bible, and I just think that it would be important for us just to draw our minds and our hearts to towards this passage. And so if you're, if you're there with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we're going to actually start right here in verse 1. Because they had a time where they were praying, and we're going to be praying later on today. But I want you to see what happened after they got done praying and dedicating the temple to Almighty God. It says, when Solomon finished praying, fire descended from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. Now, I don't know if that part will come, ha- come happen today. I might, I might be a little scared if that happened today. It'd be a wake-up call for all of us. But here's what I am praying for. Look at this. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And I'm just praying that the glory of the Lord would fill this place. And the priests were not even able to enter the Lord's temple because the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. All the Israelites were watching when the fire descended and the glory of the Lord came down on the temple. Listen to this. Just see the effects. See the byproduct of when God moves. It says that they bowed down on the pavement. I like that word. My my version uses that. They they bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped, and they praised the Lord. And here's how they were praising the Lord. Same things that we have said, even with, you know, good, good fathers we've sang this morning. He is good. 
and his faithful love endures forever. And the king and all the people were offering sacrifices in the Lord's presence. And he talks about all the things that, they, that King Solomon offered. King Solomon offered the sacrifices of 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. And in this manner, the king and all the people dedicated the Lord's temple. Now, we haven't sacrificed any lambs. That was a big fire. That was a big fire, yeah. Well, we haven't sacrificed any lambs or goats, but we are going to have pulled pork sandwiches right after this. So I'm, I'm really excited about, about that as well. We've sacrificed a few pigs to, to make today happen. And then it goes on to say that um, all those things. And then the Levites had the musical instruments of the Lord, which King David had made to give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Amen. Such a, such a great passage. Well, Mr. Riggs, I'm so glad that, that you uh, have decided to come up, hang out with me today. Uh, this is a special treat. You know, when I think of the temple and when I read about this, I think of a, it was a place where the people came for forgiveness, for repentance, but ultimately they came to meet with God. They came to meet with God. And when I think of our, of our gym out there, I, I see a place where people can come and maybe even for the very first time meet with God. Of course, it's a middle school. We've got our middle school out there. Of course, the gym that's out there. And, and what we want to hear, because you, you were the one that really drove the vision of all this. When you were thinking about the vision of a place where people can meet with God and middle school and the gym and all that, t- tell us, what was, your, what was your vision when you, you know, when all this came into your mind? Well, that's a complicated question. I'm going to try and keep it under three minutes if I can. <laughs> and, you know, I've never said it, kept anything under three minutes if I carry in. In 2004, in Death Valley, a a phenomenon took place. Death Valley was dry and desolate, and they had seven inches of rain that fall. The following spring, do you know what happened in Death Valley? It became a carpet of flowers and life. What we discovered during that incident was that Death Valley was not dead. It was just dormant. Under the right conditions, it can flourish, and it can grow, and it can live. If you've never seen me crying, I'm not going to cry now, although inside I am. I use Pepper only because she's a generic child here in our school. If you're not with us in the morning, but if you would come with us every single morning for 181 days of school, we start off our day with a word of prayer. We do a pledge to the American flag, a pledge to the Christian flag, a pledge to the Bible, and then we do a prayer time. And while I'm doing that prayer time, I'm looking out over, over 180, 200 children standing in front of me as we do our prayers and do our pledges. And my heart just cries on the inside because I'm saying to myself, if I can create the right conditions, if I can create the right atmosphere, then God will have a chance to come in and speak to these children and to these families, and he can bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and they can avoid all the pitfalls that you and I did not avoid. Now, I, don't know, I don't know if you were better than I was, but I wasn't the perfect teenager or the perfect young adult, but I got perfect because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He changed my life. It revolutionized everything about me, and that's what we want. What do, why did we create that? I was at the... the, the the, the generic story is I was at Lutheran High School, right down the, uh, middle school right down the road. Our girls were playing a volleyball game, and we were getting skunked, and I was getting mad. Their girls were diving on the floor with knee pads and getting and spiking balls up and saving points. 
their girls were hitting the ball high up, but not so high that it would hit the gym top and come right down. And our girls just couldn't handle it. And as I sat there, I said to myself, the reason our girls can't do this is because they're practicing on a cement slab in the back that has no roof. They can't dive on a cement slab. They can't slide. They don't know how high to hit the ball because there's just sky up there. I said, we have put them at a disadvantage. And so as I sat there in the stands that day, I just got madder and madder and madder and said to myself, why in the world would we put a team on the field or in a court that's at a disadvantage? Children at a disadvantage. Now, I like most of you guys in here, but I love the children. Okay, you're okay, but I don't take the children. I'm always going to defend them first. And by the way, I saw you correcting Pepper up here. Let me just tell you a story real quick. Jet was about her age one time, and we were at church. And so I grabbed him by the arm, and I'm taking him down the aisle. I'm going to take him outside, and I'm going to give him a good whooping, right? This deacon stands up and says, I got him. I said, excuse me? He goes, you go sit down. Now, no one's ever told me to go sit down. He said, go, go sit down. I got Jet. Somebody's going to take care of Pepper. She's going to be fine. It's okay. We're always on the kids' side. Why are we building a building back there? Because the, the, our Catholic friends, and they are our friends, they are our friends, they have done the best job in the world for the last 200 years of building screws across the world. And in the city of New Orleans, where most of our, our religion in this particular city is Catholic, and we have so many of our Catholic friends all over the place, and our school is full of Catholics, and we're glad they're with us. But it's difficult to match a school to one of their schools. Their schools are outstanding. And you know what I'm talking about. They have the best facilities. They have the best academics. They pay the most of the teachers. They do all. So we have to create. If we want to be in the business of being in the school business, we have to create something that's at least comparable to where they are, if not better to where they are. This building back here offers us the opportunity to grow a middle school, which empties out the upstairs of the building next door, which allows us to have multiple first grade, second grade, third grade, and fourth grade in the years to come. Now, we haven't even emptied that building out yet. We haven't even opened this building yet. We will in the next two months. We've already doubled up classes up top. We've only got one classroom left. We've got three of them empty. We filled, excuse me, we filled two of them. We only got room for one more class upstairs. God has exponentially blessed us since the time that we have come here, and we're growing faster than what we can keep up with. You know, sometimes Sylvia will look at me back there and, hey, Sylvia, I know you knew I was going to call you out. You know, I can see the look in her eyes like, are you going to slow down? I can't. If the kids would quit coming, if we'd quit being so successful, maybe we could slow down, but we can't. We're constantly enlarging our budget, and we're constantly spending more money, and we're constantly hiring more people to keep up with the demand that's happening to us because God has been so good to us and blessed us so much. That building is going to give us a science lab. I can't wait till you go back there today. It's got a 3D printer in it, and no, AJ, you can't take it. Where AJ's not here. Where is AJ? He's cooking over on his side. Okay, he's been wanting my 3D printer since he first saw me order it. We have a microscope for every student in the classroom. You're going to walk in there, and you're going to go, oh, my soul, this is a first-rate classroom. It is. We have built a science lab in the back that will equal any high school science lab in this city at any school. Our smart board is 72 inches. It's a gigantic TV that's a touchscreen TV that's a computer. It does everything on it. You can go to the web. You can search the web. You can write with your name. You put your four fingers on there. It erases what you wrote. It's a marvelous piece of equipment. The dissecting kits are in. So if you're in sixth grade, you're going to dissect an oyster. If you're in seventh grade, you're going to dissect a squid. 
If you're in eighth grade, you're going to dissect a frog. By the time you go to ninth grade English, in whatever school you choose to go to, you are more than prepared for the biology one class that you'll be taking in ninth grade. Those are the things that this building gives us that we could not do over there because the facility was limited. It makes us first notch and makes us able to compete with the other schools and our friends who are in this city. I just wish Baptists were as committed as Catholics were to sending their kids to schools, don't you? And listen, my granddaughter just graduated from a Catholic high school. So, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, okay? I know, but you want to send your child to the best school out there, right? So they're the best schools out there. This is why we're building this, Pastor, so that we can have the best school out there as a Baptist, Christian, Protestant school, and we can educate folks. Now, that's the science lab on this side. I didn't get to this side. Over here, we've built a... I can't wait till you see the Bible class. We have a Bible history class that's together, and then on the back side of it, we have English and literature. Now, what do we do in English and literature? Let me just tell you some of the things. I know you're going to love this. In sixth grade, you read six novels. In seventh grade, you read six novels. In eighth grade, you read six novels, all the classics and some new ones that are put in there. So by the time you go to freshman English in ninth grade, whatever high school you've chosen, you've already read 18 books. I can guarantee you there are no other middle schools around here doing that kind of academic work. You say, well, Jerry, that's, what's that got to do with our church? It's got everything to do with your church. When you prepare a child academically, and then the next class we're doing is the Bible class. We're talking to a young man right now who's a, and we don't know if he's going to work out or not, but we're talking to a young man right now who's gonna, thinking about coming to teach for us next year. He's got an undergraduate degree from Mississippi College and Mississippi State, unfortunately. Oh, That's horrible. And he's got a seminary degree, and he's interested in teaching Bible for us. But also, along with teaching Bible, he will be doing, I said, listen, you'll be in charge of 42 chapel services. And I brought him through that door, and I walked him right here. And I said, you hold the keys to life right here. Before you commit to wanting this job, before you commit to wanting this calling, I want you to understand 42 chapels are your responsibility and you'll be right here and you will have these middle school students looking at you for the answers to every question there is in life. Boy, he, his, his look changed a little bit. Dennis used to seeing that look on his, he wasn't quite as excited after I put the B on him, you know, but I want, I want him to understand what he's getting into. That building is gonna afford us the opportunity to have a top-notch school so that parents will have confidence in our school system. And then through our school system, we'll be able to have back to school Sunday when we invite all of our parents to come to church and hear our pastor preach. We have Christmas programs that we have in our church and some of y'all get mad at me because you lose your seat that day. We pack the place out. But now that we have a gym, we can have the Christmas program in the back. And so everybody will be able to have a seat back there. We have Thanksgiving feast, we have prayer. It's just, you would be amazed if you would be able to walk with me every day for 181 days of school. In the morning times, before COVID this past year, if you dropped your child off for pre-K four or a kindergarten or a first all the way through eighth grade, we give free coffee in the back. So at first I thought, well, that's parents are hanging around because they're drinking some coffee, which is great. Then I saw them kind of migrate into the cafeteria where we're doing our prayer and our pledges. And I realized they were hanging out for our prayers and for our pledges in the morning time. I see back there, I see all these parents putting their hand over their heart, and I'm like, I'm just thrilled. They just, they just want to be a part of something that has something that, that, that talks about faith every day in their life. This is going to give us an opportunity to create a condition that students will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Pastor, what I, I emailed you two years ago. Do you remember that email? I said, this morning I got up and I'm praying for Pepper. 
I'm praying for her early salvation. I'm praying that she would get saved early in life. Now, I, I, again, I'm using prepper as a generic term for all the children. If you would know my heart, I have actually prayed for your child. Stephen, look at me. I have prayed for your child and every other child in here by name. And I do it daily for their salvation. If we can create the right conditions and the right environment, then we can, we can create an environment where the Holy Spirit can speak and God can use people throughout our organization and people can discover and find their faith and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the whole mission of that building back there. That's right. Now that was yeah. a 20-minute answer for a three-minute question. Well, that, that's good. And, and, and I want to help our church because some of y'all have come just in this past year. You know, maybe you've just come to Memorial. Maybe it was kind of a COVID thing. We were not going to shut down. You know, we were gonna, I was going to do it in the parking lot. I was going to have an overflow. I was going to do whatever we could because we're having church, you know, like we're having that. And so a lot of folks, you have just come. Now, some of y'all have been with us for decades. But for some of y'all, you've only been here for a couple of years. And I wanted you to hear this vision because we are not a normal organization, not, not a, by any stretch of the imagination. So I wanted that to, to be able to, to be heard. I had a guy before COVID had, had some guys that would come and they come and they try to sell us, you know, curriculum or Bible study stuff, you know. And so they came up and they hung out with me in my office and, uh, and find, you know, they kind of went through all the things that I could get. I told them that we do Bible drill here. I told them, you know, the, the different children's things that we do, uh, some of our curriculum that is for adults, all that kind of stuff. And finally, they just stopped me. And they said, how do you do it? And I said, how do, how do I do what? And they said, you know, we go into churches and schools, like, combined all over the state of Louisiana. And they said, we don't see a lot of church and school. We see a lot of church versus school. And, and in fact, I had someone contact me. I, I, you need to hear this. Sometimes you guys, you know, we get it and we have a sermon, all that kind of stuff. But y'all don't hear a lot of the behind the scenes. I was contacted on my vacation this week by someone. And they said, we want to start an ELC. We want to start an ELC and, all, you know, as another organization, nonprofit. And I told them exactly what you told a local pastor probably a couple decades ago. And, and I said, don't you do it unless you have a fire in your belly. Because it is, it is not easy. You know, when we came, when we came here uh, 10 years ago, you know, um, we, it was church and school revitalization. And so we have worked together. And, and kind of talk to us a little bit because you've, you've been so involved on the administrative side of this. And I have so appreciated that. I want you to know I cannot do anything without Mr. Riggs. He takes care of, of so much, and, and I, I'm just so appreciative of you. Talk a little bit about what we've set precedence of, uh, you know, and how when we were doing revitalization, we had to get in, and we had to get moving. You know, there was no, we couldn't be a bureaucracy. We had to get in and move forward. Talk a little bit about some of that. A little bit. That's a two-hour question, you know. Well, don't take two hours, yeah, Mr. Riggs. First of all, you know, the first day I met Dan, we, we met at a coffee shop, CC's. CC's, yeah. CC's coffee shop. they have shop. great coffee. And, and I think I told you no that day, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. You did tell me no. <laughs> I didn't know you that. And I told poor Dennis back there no a couple of times. I had a job. I, you know, I didn't need a job. But I got to ask my wife back there. She looked at me on about day three after Dennis and Dan had contacted me and said, what is the matter with you? 
And I said, I am miserable. And she said, well, what's the problem? I said, God wants me to go to that school, and I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. I had a job making almost six figures. I'd spent a lot of time in the public school system, built myself up, got myself where I was going to be. I'm all, I'm, I got a job. <laughs> I, got, I got a good job. And uh, over the course of the next two weeks, Dennis called and, and made me feel bad, and Dan called a couple of times, and, you know, and, and God was just, and finally my wife looked at me, and she goes, well, I'm not living with you like this. You better just go over there and take that job. And I came over here, and it was like, have you ever felt the presence of God in your life at one particular time? Hmm. It doesn't happen very often, does it? If you're truthful. I mean, maybe it does for you all the time. It doesn't happen for me very often. But when it does, you know it. The Spirit of God just just settles on you. And you, you know you're in the right place at the right time. I think the first day I was here, I looked at him and said, listen, because the first... Because the first day, to, I was scared to death. The first day, there were some problems with some employees, and he just kind of, you know, thank you, Dan. He just laid them all on me. Said, "You're here now. You got them." I didn't even know their names, and they were caught. You know, there were some, there were some issues and some problems, and we got through all that. And I looked at him. I said, "Listen, we're either going to sink together or swim together. We're on the same team." where there is no church, because some of the explanations and and arguments was, well, the church does this and the school, and I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know what that means. I just know what memorial means. We're just memorial. We're not a church and a school. We're memorial. We're all together, and we have just practiced that since that first day. I don't think, have have we had a fight? Have we ever had a fight? Not a knockdown director. I don't think we have. I mean, I haven't knocked you out yet, huh? Okay. No. But you know what? That that group, that those guys trying to sell me equipment, they said, "What's your secret?" And that's exactly what I told them. I said, "We sink together. We, you know, we swim together." And I said, "We are. I mean, not in a weird way, but we're joined together at the hip. You know, like, like we do like this John, together. like Jonathan was. That's right. It's not, it's not a strange thing. That's all you can join with me is at the hip. You know, <laughs> it's it's been an incredible journey. But it's it's kind of like our walk with the Lord. Yes. Have you had that same walk with the Lord? Did you have that experience? Do you remember? Go back to that experience in your life where you first knew that God was calling you to be a Christian, how, how it felt that first day, and then the journey that you've been on ever since then. That's, right. That's how it's been here That's at right. our school and at our church mm-hmm. and at Memorial. It's just been we're, we're together on these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the issues were, you asked me to cover this real quick. We didn't, you know, we had a bunch of committees and we had a bunch of church organization. And unfortunately, we didn't have the numbers to, to make all that work. So we had to get creative in, in, our, in how we ran the organization. Right. We didn't want to be an emperor. Right. And we didn't want to be an, that would make me empress. That's not right. That's not We right. didn't want to be an emperor and a sidekick. You know, we, we wanted to be transparent and we right. wanted to have people involved and so the first thing we did is we created a school board and Dennis Solomon back there is our school board chairman and we have seven people on our school board the next thing we there was a finance committee we beefed it up and added some people to it and there are people and that's sitting right here three four five six as I say seven of y'all sitting right here now that's on our finance committee that in these two committees meet well, we used to meet twice or three times a year. With COVID, we, we're meeting online and we're meeting in emails and we're meeting in phone calls and we're meeting one-on-one. But now that we're finally past this thing, we'll get back to meeting again three times a year where everybody looks at the budgets, where everybody looks at the school program, where the vision, right. where we're going for the next year, where everybody kind of looks at the church and says, hey, Pastor, you're doing a good job. Let's keep heading this way. We have some transparency and some 
church government. Right. It's not the traditional kind for a Baptist church, but it's the kind that was that was flexible enough to allow us to to go through the transition of being just a couple of people in school and a couple of people in church to where we are now. Right. And so that kind of explains how our church government works. And I, I appreciate you mentioning that because, again, some of y'all are very new. And, and so you're going, well, well you know, how do, do y'all have committees? Do y'all have, you know, deacons? Do you know, how, how does how does everything how does everything yeah. work? And I think that it's important that, that they understand that we have, you know, um, folks that can look at things. But at the end of the day, the organization and, and folks have just they've just trusted us. I've had to trust Mr. Riggs when the, the day that he came in, let me tell you folks, he started hitting walls. He said, we need to make a hole here and we need to make a hole here. And I just held my breath and I said, okay, but God has been so good in the midst of, of these past 10 years. Let's talk about COVID. Let's do it. Uh, you know, COVID hit and we were in, we had already found a company to build this new building back here and they were supposed to start in April. Well, COVID hit in March and you know, don't any of you guys ever sell me out. I was crying like a baby, wasn't I? I was like, man, what are we, <laughs> are we even going to be open? That's right. Because all of a sudden, in one day, no notice. No, no notice to me whatsoever. We get an email from the governor saying school is shut down. This was at 11.35. At 3 o'clock, school is shut down. And that's it. That's the warning I got. And so, you know, I, I, I looked at pastor and I, I don't know what I'm going to, you know, and parents are saying, what are we going to do? And you say, well, just, we'll just do it virtually online. Well, if I'd have had a little notice to set up for that, that wouldn't have been that bad a deal. But with zero, and how many parents have a, a device at home that connects with our devices at our school? It's, not, it's a complicated thing to set all that up. Well, we did packets and we, we just kind of, until finally I cried. Yeah. Twice, I never tried. I got it behind my desk, and I just didn't know what to do. And there's very few times in life that I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I got a lot of experience, and God has given me a lot of wisdom in a lot of areas. And, and most things I can just handle. I did not know what to do that day. No money coming in, because no parents were going to pay tuition if we weren't open for school. Yet they still wanted packets to be sent home. And every employee, which is 57, by the way, I don't know if you know yeah. that we have 57 people employed on our campus here. That's an awesome responsibility to pay them every two weeks, to take care of all the, the human resource issues that go with that, to make sure we hire the right people. And they were all, all calling and asking every two minutes, am I going to get paid this Friday? Am I going to get paid this Friday? Am I going to get paid this Friday? And that phone call only went to one place. And so with all that on me, I just, I just, I, I tell you, I got on my knees. I really sunk up my chair and <laughs> fell on my knees and just said, Lord, you, you, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. For the first time in my life, I don't know what to do. And I prayed and I asked him to show me and guide me and direct me. And so for the next 24 hours, I didn't eat anything. I drank things, you know, I drank coffee and I drank my, my water and I had different beverages, but I didn't eat anything. I just prayed. I called up a few of my best friends and we, you know, I have the kind of best friends where we talk like once a year because we only talk to each other when one of us has a problem. That's just, you know, we're, we're great friends, but we just depend on each other to be able to share our burdens with them. And so I called two of them and, and they both said, we have the same problem on this end. And I said, well, what, what, what am I, what do I do? And they said, Jerry, if you, when we tell you what to do, you tell us what to do. No one knew what the answer was. About six hours later, God spoke to me as I was driving back to school that day, the next day after that. 
And I called Pastor and said, Pastor, yeah. I have the answer. Yep. We're going to continue school. We're going to continue paying our employees. And we are going to cancel tuition for the rest of this year. Yep. We were the only school in the city that did that. Because yep. other schools were calling me, and they were mad at me. <laughs> because we're putting the pressure on them, because parents were saying to them, I hear over at Memorial, they're still having school packets sent home and they're grading everything, the teachers are working, but they've canceled tuition. Now, how can we do that? Nancy, wake up Nancy back there. Y'all all know Nancy back there, wave your hand, Nancy. Nancy's our financial secretary for both our school and our church, and she works every day over in the school building with me. And I went to her and I said, Nancy, how much, what do we need to make payroll every two weeks? Well, it was six figures. So, you know, I'm like, where am I getting six figures from to make payroll every two weeks? By the grace of God, over the last few years, our finances had gotten so good that the school had actually tucked away $250,000 in a savings account. I said, Nancy, let's use the savings account. Then let's start cutting the top epsilon, Pastor, myself, and some sure. others. Let's just start cutting by 20, 10 or 20%. It was 20. It was 20. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it. Well, he remembered that, didn't he? Let's cut our checks 20% right. and save as much money as That's we right. can. But we're never going to cut our employees. We're going right. to pay all That's of right. our employees. Then when we were at the brokest, do you remember the government came out with the PPP money? Guess, listen to this story. I hear it on the radio. I go to the website, I find the number, I call. A guy answers the phone from the website. Within 36 hours, we had PPP money. Nancy, am I lying? I got the video on my phone when I went to the bank because I, I videoed me at the bank. I said, man, don't think I'm crazy. But you're just, I got the money. I got the money. I was so excited about having enough money to pay our employees. Yes. So the PPP money came through, and we were able to pay our employees through the through the end of the school year, and then we had summer camp. In the midst of COVID, we had summer camp. That's right. And we made enough money in summer camp to continue to pay our employees all the way until the end of the summertime. And then we opened up school again this past year, and we were open full-fledged. We had more students enrolled in our school this year right. than we did the year before in the midst of COVID. Mm -hmm. And we did school from August 15th until the last day of school, which is May 22nd, and we had not one student in our school catch COVID. Amen. Not one. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, we had a couple of parents catch COVID. We made them stay home. We had one teacher catch COVID, but she was already home on the holidays when she caught it from her husband, who was a police officer. And we had one first grade class that we sent home the day before the Christmas holidays because the mother says, I'm an emergency room nurse. I've come down with COVID. Out of an abundance of caution, we sent that whole entire first grade home, but nobody in that first grade class caught it. Now you tell me, I, I, I'm sorry, I gotta go. Uh -oh, you tell preaching. me, how in the world do we have over 500 people every day coming on our campus and the whole world is getting COVID all over the place. And, 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 and unfortunately, some folks are passing and dying and getting really sick. And I am so sorry for those things happening all over the world. But in our school, that does not happen. Now, listen, we wore a mask. 
We socially distanced. We broke up our music class. I went out and bought 20 pianos so we didn't sing anymore. We played pianos. Poor Coach Judd over there had individual PE classes instead of multiple PE classes. So that meant he had a PE class every 20 minutes for eight hours every day. How are we still alive? Raise your hand, Judd. How are we still alive back there? I don't know. We wore him out. And it's the only PE teacher we have. We, we, we did all the things. But let me tell you, that's not why we didn't have COVID in our school. God has put a hedge of protection around this organization, not just our school, around this organization. And if we don't recognize that, we are not being responsible in our duty to thank God for all the things that he has done for us. You know, it would be easy for you to sit out there and Dan pays me great compliments and he, you know, it's not me. It is not me. It is the Spirit of God. Remember I told you when I came, I, when I accepted the job, I felt that Spirit that day? It's that Spirit of God that's been with us since that first day that has made all the difference in the world of what we do around here, why we're successful, why we grow, why we can ha have to build new buildings to house all the people that are coming here. It's the Spirit of God that's with us. It's proven in the COVID area. It's just a proof. Do you want me to name some more names? Manley's not here. He's at home watching on TV, probably had a surgery two years ago that should have taken him. Dennis Solomon is sitting back there, had four surgeries that should have taken him, and he's sitting back there. I can go on and on and on and talk about the miracles that have happened to people who are sitting in the pews right here. That is a hedge of protection from God. I'm sorry, if you just don't believe like that, it's okay, but I believe for you. I do. I believe it with all my heart and with all my soul. See, I've lived both ways. I've lived not believing, and I've lived believing. And there is a difference in living believing and living not believing. There is a difference. Of all the things you hear today, don't hear anything about Mr. Riggs. Don't hear anything about Pastor Dan. Hear everything about the goodness of God and his love towards you. And he just wants your faith to increase. And he just wants you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ if you haven't already. And if you have and you just got away from it and not living it, he just wants you to renew your faith and give him everything again. That's why we're here. That's why we built that building. And that's why I asked Pastor, and we got together weeks ago, let's dedicate the building. Let's put a cornerstone on it. And we haven't even talked about it. Let's talk about the corner. If you look, can you see, this? Can you see the cornerstone in this corner right above the walkway? It's a little, little small cornerstone. It says Memorial Baptist Middle School and Gym. Dedicated 2000, what year are we in? 21. 21. And then has, you know, the whoever is in charge of the school, I'm the head janitor, and then we got Pastor Dan down there, you know, to, to kind of give us so that, you know, 10 years from now when y'all are walking on my grave and all that good stuff, you know, y'all can remember where the building came from, but the building is committed to the Lord. That's right. That's, that's the point of all that we're trying to do this morning. Yeah, absolutely. You want to wrap up or you want to ask another I, question? I, I do I do want to wrap yeah, wrap up, but I but I do wanna just say, you know, so many have come uh from our summer camp and summer camp does start tomorrow and uh we're all gonna be praying. 
uh, for you and for your team that is coming together. But summer camp comes. Many of you are here today because of our summer camp. I see all across this room, and you have been such a blessing to me. And uh, really, we're going to be dedicating the building. And, and part of the reason that we did things today the way that we did is because we wanted to cast vision. We wanted you to know what we're up to and what we feel like the Lord is leading us to do. Um, how can we be praying for summer camp in the midst of everything that's going on? Uh, that, that, that's a great point to make there. And let me just tell you, we could not do, we could not do what we do if it wasn't for our leaders like Jet Riggs back there, like Carla McKnight over in the office, like Jennifer Angle. We have great employees that work for us that fill in the gaps everywhere. There's not enough of us to make this work. Summer camp is the largest group of people that we have that come on our campus on a daily basis for the summertime. We have an opportunity at that time to be Christ-like to them. And, and, and that's not always easy when it's 102 outside and you got 300 screaming kids and the bathrooms are a mess and the game room is a mess and the pools are a mess and the backfields are a mess. And I mean, it, it, it's a long, hot day. And yet we try and greet. It's, if you'd have been here Saturday, Friday for our training, the last thing I said to all of our employees that we hired, and the number of employees I told you earlier doesn't count our summer camp employees, by the way. We have a large group of folks around here. I said, look at me. I said, the last thing I want to tell you is this. You represent this school. Right. You represent this church. You represent me. And you represent Christ. Your actions, we don't ever take a child by his arm. We don't ever take a child by the back of his neck. We do everything in love with our palm open, and we guide them and direct them where they need to go if they won't listen on a command. I said, but everything that you do is to be able to meet that parent and look them in the eye and tell them that their child had a great day today. Amen. That gives us an opening to invite them to church. Amen. Remember we talked about the whole theme is about what? You should use this in your counseling, Carrie, and I hope you're listening over here. The whole theme is about creating an environment, right? The water comes to the desert. It creates the ability for the flowers to come. We're trying to create an area where folks can come to Christ. Everything that we do, every piece of camp, every ball, every swimming, every everything, every, every everything that we do is all about creating an environment sure. that would bring people, nurture people, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And our camp is the largest thing we got. If you actually want to pray, we need help tomorrow morning, don't we, Jet? We have a lot, we have over, we have hundreds of kids and new families that we have not met yet. They've signed up on the internet, they've come in, they put their application down. We haven't put eyeballs on the child and the, and the family yet. So we'll be memorizing hundreds of names tomorrow right. and meeting all of our employees and seeing all of our place and just getting ready for that. But in the midst of all that, somebody, I'm being my office on my knees because someone's going to get saved this summer because of our summer camp. That's right. It's why we have a church. Mm -hmm. It's why we have an organization. It's why we do what we do, as Simon Sheck would say. And we never want our church members to feel like you're sidelined. We never want you to feel like you're sidelined and say, well, that's, that's a Mr. Riggs and that's a Pastor Dan thing. You guys are very much a part of everything. That's why we've taken this, painstakingly taken this time to, to talk with you about this. And we're believing I, with all my heart, yeah, I'm going to ask for our praise band to come on back up. And as, this, as we get ready to sing uh, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, 
And, and as I think about the, the field back there, Mr. Riggs made an interesting comment before we, were, um, before we got together, um, uh, even this morning. And we were talking about the harvest field. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers were few. And back in that day and age, we had big harvest fields. And you know what? When we came here, you know, if you come for the first time and you say, oh, okay, you've got three buildings in the front, yada, yada, yada. But then you walk out in the back and you see this big field. And so when we walk out there today and when we get our opportunity to lay our hands on the building and, and pray today, I want you to see a field, but not just that, a harvest field where people's chains from their past, people's chains from their sin and their guilt and their shame can fall off and they can be transformed. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old is gone, the new has come. And that's what we desire to see with so many. And you get to be a part of it. What a great responsibility. We're not like, other, we're, we're not, there's not many churches like us. But we wanted to put our cards on the table and say, this is who we are. We want you to be a part of this. So let's stand together and let's sing this song this morning. My chains are gone. Amazing grace. Because that is what we have experienced together as a church family.